Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another Hallister uh, Book Club. Uh, I'm very excited to meet, uh, to be talking with Pope Lonergan. Uh, who's written a fantastic, incredibly well-reviewed book called I'll Die After Bingo. And there it is if you're watching the video. Uh, Hello, Pope. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me uh, on and thank you for the kind words about the book. Uh, Really appreciate it. It's excellent. It's very good. Now, can I talk to you about your name? And I haven't seen this really talked about anywhere. I presumably you weren't christened Pope unless your parents had very high expectations of you. Yeah, I, well, I, I, you know, for, for a while, I caught, kind of uh, kept the conceit going, you know. Um, but, uh, weirdly enough, my dad actually is, uh, my dad actually is a devout Catholic. Um, um, but he, uh, but yeah, he's he's been a kind of, it wasn't something like I didn't necessarily know, even though I'm very close to my dad, didn't necessarily know he was a Catholic. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Tony Law asked me the same question and I didn't have anything... <laughs> 
fun, like there wasn't a funny backstory to the name. It was literally just used as a placeholder so that like people I work with or you know people in your real life couldn't find okay. you know, my 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 comedy self online. Yes. Um, yes. And it just yeah, it's just stuck. When I started doing comedy and promoters would book me through Facebook, they they assumed that was my actual name and just like advertised it with that name and I think it was Richard Gad who said oh like is that is that your actual name I said oh no no and he said uh, oh you should keep it it's obviously very eye-catching it's uh, <laughs> it is it's a great it's a great name yeah uh, and I wish I wish it had I wish you'd been a baby called Pope that would be, yeah 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 that would be oh, a lovely we, thing to see we were saying this the other days so my dad said oh there's obviously like uh, uh, uh there's there's certain names you're not allowed to give your children and we were thinking is 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 pope one of those protected <laughs> names i don't know um i mean i'd call my kid pope i mean delusions of grandeur a little bit setting him up, setting him up to fail but uh yeah well you know you might turn up at hotels and get very good rooms you might yeah exactly yeah. Is, the, is the pope's arrived yeah this guy. anyway look tell us a little bit for people who don't know i mean you've got you've got the great uh tag of being the quaker ex-drug addict stand-up which is a is a pretty good start but do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get on to the book yeah, so yeah, yeah, cra- like a cra- crackhead Quaker, or like, even, though, <laughs> even though it was, it was more, it was opiates, but just I like the 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 rhythm of crackhead yeah. Quaker, but yeah, um, uh, stand up comedian, uh, writer, and uh, was I was a care worker full time for you know over a decade, but um, I, I I still I still keep my keep my hand in, you know. I yeah. do, I I only do usually like one shift a week now, like just one seven hour shift. Uh, but every now and again, you know what it's like with the stand up comedy income. Very probably not for yourself, but for <laughs> for me, it's it very can be precarious. You know, like any you're having to like build up a, an income in a very patchwork manner. So yeah, sometimes I need to take on care shifts to supplement my income. But it's good. It's good to still have my foot in the real world like that because. Uh, I mean, it is good fodder for for stand up, but then I do, you know, it's a it's a job role that I took a lot of pride in, um, yeah. and uh, and so, so anyway, I can help with the relief effort, in, you know, especially during uh, post post COVID. Now, um, I'll try and help as much as possible. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the kind of uh, yeah Essex boy as well. There's you <laughs> yeah. know quite typical Essex boy, which is. Uh, I quite like the again the juxtaposition of the name Pope. They assume it's going to be like a character act, and then it's just like it's bald ass cracking boy, and, and, and I never mention it. I never address, I never address it on stage. Like so, right. everyone just assumes it's my birth name, which I, I kept that up for a while. But you know, people start to realise. It's it's really interesting because when I started doing stand up in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. You know, you would get a lot more mix of different types of people than you do now. I think in yeah. that there were there were people who there were working class people who worked on the docks who'd come to stand up. There were you know someone like Ivor Dembina who was an accountant had lived a life and then become a comedian. And then there were sort of university boys like myself and Stuart as well. Yeah. Uh, and there was a, there was a mixture, but it's sort of all although that sort of changed and it became a bit more difficult. I think for you know people without any other sort of income to do it. It's all, it's almost gone full circle, so that a lot of stand ups are now stand ups and have got a job to supplement the the stand up because because yeah. you know the, the the money you're getting paid now for doing stand up gigs I think is the same like not not like weighted down for time I think it's 
a weekend gig, you're probably getting about the same as I did to, for or, headlining or as in 1980, in 1991 or something, you know. So yeah, or actually maybe even less. Like yeah. I, I was, I was uh, talking to Stuart Goldsmith about this, and he said like it is, you know, one of the the few. You know, there's been wage stagnation in lots of different industries, but it's almost one of the the uh, few jobs where the the wages have have gone backwards. If anything, yeah. like it's 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 mad, yeah. That, um, but again, I don't know. I think that's just a a supply and demand thing. I don't know if that's the right term, but it's it's an oversaturated industry now. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's a lot uh, lot more people doing it now, but yeah. but less variety of backgrounds which is what i sort of miss about i mean that's what i really loved about the night the 80s and 90s was you just you know i think comedians have this camaraderie and wherever they're from whatever background they're from we sort of recognize each other like dogs yeah yeah, (laughs) and and we sort of get on quite you know you it's very rare you meet a comedian and don't just go okay i you know i don't know how to talk to this guy well, there's yeah. a there's there's the there's the meme that a lot of uh, comedians I know use on Twitter, like when there's a uh, a, a picture, like a group picture of uh, different individuals who just look totally like you can't understand how they're connected, and then and a comedian writes underneath uh, four comedians at a gas station. You know, it's like when you're when you're comedians and you're traveling to a gig together and you get out at the you know the service stations or whatever, it always looks looks a bit weird because you can't figure out how they're connected until you know they are all comedians together. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's sort of, you know, it's 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 good to to that uh, people are coming for you know coming with other life experience to comedy, and obviously it's good for your comedy that you have this kind of incredible life experience of uh, of working. I mean, so you work you've you've worked in care for basically for uh, 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 people who uh, uh, towards the end of their lives, older people, um, and and you know, and and having worked it for all this time, you have created this uh, amazing book about it. It's being compared, I'm sure, by your PR, your own PR people, to sort of Adam Kay's uh, work, which would obviously be lovely if it's as successful as Adam Kay's work, and though it's well on the way. But I think it's that's sorry, sorry, Richard. No, sorry. That's what that's actually one of the things that 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 was. I really wanted to kind of keep away from that. Yeah, I know from a marketing perspective, it's a great, um, (laughs) you know, it's a great uh, entry point for people uh, to maybe come 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 to my you know my book or whatever. But uh, like I thought, I know for a fact it's not going to be nowhere near as successful. (laughs) He's like a cultural phenomenon because he and that's another thing that annoys me. Adam K, very successful, brilliant man, (laughs) but very much part of you know the professional class of being a doctor and yeah. there is i think and it's probably me just being sour grapes <laughs> i'm sure it's me being sour grapes but like a working class like uh, a carer who you know societally hasn't there's not much value placed on that position yeah um, i i sometimes think there's uh that 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 can work to my bid to my disadvantage um but then, uh, yeah. But then, the I think it was the Telegraph or one of them compared me to Adam K or whatever. I said, and they went, well, look, you know, we'll put that. It's gonna if we can, you know, get off a little bit of his audience and fair play, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's true. I mean, I think you're very right, and I think you know, you do talk about this in the book that that, that people make assumptions of you because of your accent. Uh, your book is very beautifully written, and you're obviously a very erudite and well-read person. You, that's very clear from just reading the book. Your references you make are kind of much more intellectual than anything that I would know about. Uh, but I think it's, you know it's different. It's different as well because I think your his relationship 
that's very much a doctor's thing. And his relationship is very much a fleeting thing with people coming through that, you know, and this is a, a I think it's actually, we'd recently had Evie King on, who I think you know, who uh, who's written this brilliant book, uh, Ashes to Admin. And it's similar to that in that it's, it's someone who's placed in a job where there's, a, a, you know, her, she's actually dealing with people with after they've died. So it's sort of the next stage. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but she's got a you know she's she's got this real personal relationship with these people that she's never met and obviously you've got a proper full on personal relationship with your with your uh, with with the old people you work with I, I was I, I, I can't remember what you like to call them I was going to say patients but that's the wrong I, I always say elders like there's a, I like I always call them elders because or I mean residents residents yeah uh, yeah residents as well is quite nice it's like you're trying to make it seem like this is at their actual home and it's not just like a fleeting visit but whether they want to be reminded of that or not or, or whether they even realize that you know uh, unfortunately the nature of dementia means that it can erase uh your 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 short-term memory quite quickly and stuff so sure. and i said there is like a very liminal quality sometimes these care homes where it it's like they're waiting in a doctor's surgery in perpetuity like forever yeah. because the moment that they you know they're just trapped in a moment sometimes which can be strange but um yeah yeah you're deeply kind of enmeshed in their lives you, you, and it is it, like you do fulfill lots of different functions i suppose as a care worker because there's obviously like keep you know making sure like you I said some care work, workers just limit to it, it to treating them like plants, where like make sure they're fed and watered and kept out of direct sunlight. Whereas I like to be more comprehensive. You know, I like to have a, a, a more holistic approach as well. And the physiological demands are there's an inordinate focus on that. You know, yeah. and when it comes to their mental well-being and quality of life, uh, that's often disregarded um yeah uh, you know as a matter of i don't as a matter of expediency or something i don't know because it's a care sector that's deeply understaffed under-resourced and all that all that business so uh, yeah yeah that's a big part of the book obviously but i mean the 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 problem with the whole system which we may talk about later but um and we definitely will talk about later but i think that's it it's like evie king's doing this job that she's doing much harder than she actually needs to and putting much more thought into it than she needed much more humanity into it because it's sort of weird. And I think the same with you. You're clearly an extremely caring and, and giving person uh, and doing the job to the utmost of your ability rather than maybe some other people might go, exactly like you say, like we're just... We're keeping them alive, or we, we know we're making sure that they that they, they don't uh, that, that, that nothing goes wrong, and that's that's the limits of it. But by yeah. doing that as well, I mean there's there's conversations you're having with the residents where some of them are very funny because, uh, you know, dementia creates these odd circumstances. Some of them are philosophical. Some of them are obviously very sad and like, and, and obviously your job also gets pretty messy and dirty and disgusting as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was saying I thought was going to be a tough sell, like the, uh, (laughs) the, the, the corporeal aspect of care work, which is, you know, such a, like a lot of people, used a shorthand of like it's just wiping asses and like a lot of it is just wiping asses like unfortunately you are dealing with the the bodily spillage of uh of aging and stuff but i i 
from a I know, philosophical perspective, whatever, I'm really fascinated um, by, uh, by by that stuff. You know, uh, I, I think I've quoted like Rabelais and his uh, Rabelais and his World uh, by Bathkin in there, and it talks about the idea of the carnivalesque and the, the grotesquery of the body and stuff. Um, and yeah, that is that is there that is aging, unfortunately. And yeah. I feel like sometimes people want to turn away from that understandably so you don't really want to confront the piss and the shit and stuff like that um but when they turn away from it that lead can lead potentially lead to neglect and deprivation and all that stuff so uh, there's a part of me that wants to i I write in a book uh, like rub their noses in it i don't mean literally (laughs) i don't i just I, i just want them to because if they're if if the, they're confronted with it, then eventually they're going to become inured to that reality, no matter how uncomfortable it is. And then you can actually, uh, you know, you can actually do what you can to make that process more dignified, more yeah. comfortable, and all this business. So I like want to rub their nose in it, but for you know, d- 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 uh, I don't know, humanistic ends, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah. But but then also, you know, I just I've, maybe I've just got like a crude, uh, crude, <laughs> crude sense of humor as well. Just like yeah, all, all, all that stuff is is not the best part of the job. It's obviously the bit that's uh, rough can be rough for everyone involved, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's part. It is a big part of it. It's a primary part of it. You can't write a book about care work without why talk about. As I said in one of them, like wearing, uh, wearing their hemorrhoid as a cufflink. You know, not that you go that deep into the arse or anything. You know, you <laughs> but, but I think uh, that, you know the the humor is a big part of it. And what I what I think there's loads of interesting things. I mean, a it's you know it, you're being a comedian is the slightly sanitized version of that anyway isn't it is, is yeah. looking at the at the disgusting things we all do and the disgusting things that come out of us and we just talk about it so it's it's still very much part and parcel of the of the uh, of, of the comedian's job as well as the carer's <laughs> job so it's interesting to put a comedian in that position but i think also the humor is interesting because i think the early on you talk about the kind of jokes comedians will do that people would get upset about with uh, that the, nearly all comedians will do something like that, even if it's just amongst other comedians, but often on stage as well. And yet, even if you're doing that risque, unpleasant, you know, offensive, in inverted commas, material, um, you are actually then going out and doing something really caring and really good for humanity. Whereas the kind of people who go, oh, you can't say that, aren't actually going out. You know, you would never find those people, I don't think, working in a care home. I don't, yeah. I don't think. So you know, it's it's interesting that double standard of oh, saying something offensive uh, is terrible, but like when you look at the, and, and I think this is often the case. Obviously, comedians are different in real life than they are on stage, and often the stage persona is a way of getting out, you know, the the poison. But if yeah. if that comedian is then <laughs> going off and doing something as as uh, as impressive and uh, uh, you know, and as uh, praiseworthy is what what you're doing with with that with your other work other part of your life it sort of puts that in perspective but i but i also like from humor points of view you know you obviously the book is full of funny stuff that is that's coming out of a of a uh, an unfunny situation mm-hmm. but but that's that's the nature of comedy as well but you're yeah. quite protective of 
of the residents in terms of if, if someone's joking inappropriately to their face or or talking about them in a disrespectful way, you you are actually very protective of that and 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 against that. It, it seems in the book. Yeah, I think yeah because I, I'm I know it's uh, unfortunately like the, the all the uh, topics that for, for us as comedians we uh, we're always very invested in it and very interested in the, the free speech debate. But you know it's, it had become a, it's been co opted by the uh, the right wing and 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 you know I've and consider myself a cultural libertarian but like a you know a, a, a social uh, a, an economic socialist. Um, in a way, I don't know. It's not a fixed political identity or anything, but I'm someone who, you know, thinks people should be given the right to say anything, make jokes about anything, but they face the repercussions if there's a consensus that forms that what they're doing is wrong or whatever. And I was right about the book, the balance between uh, liberty and decency. <laughs> yeah. And I was saying, like, you, you know, you, you, you can be free to say anything. And the kinds of jokes that are made uh, at, at the residents' expense... I, you know, in uh, in an environment, in a protected environment where it's just amongst carers, and we we understand that sometimes like the inappropriateness is kind of the point. I might I might have I might laugh uh, with them at that, <laughs> yeah. but when it gets to a thing where it could, you know, it's it's, it's stripping someone of their dignity or uh, could potentially uh, like ruin someone's day or like you know whatever it is like then you actually have to factor in as i said the the decency part of the yeah. uh, of, of yeah the decency part of the equation and then i i think okay well i i, I it gives me a intuitively i don't like that i just it gives me it makes me feel like gross to to uh so, sorry that's my dog alan uh, barking <laughs> away that's okay. it's getting a, um so yeah, yeah, I I will I, I want to be an ambassador and speak on behalf of the residents as well because they're people who can't always vocalise their needs and their requirements, and I know I wouldn't want to be laughed at in such a vulnerable in, in such vulnerable position. So you know, time time and a place as as they yeah. always say, yeah. And it's just you know, and it's finding it's the coping mechanism of you know if you're going through this whole thing, then humour is a massive help. But it, you know, comedians think very hard about on the whole, think very hard about their material and mm. the impact of their material. And so you know, that just sort of proves that the the, the, the level you're thinking. But equally, when once you've accepted you're in that situation humorous things come out of you know so like and out of any situation and people say you can't joke about this or that or this but there's no subject you can't joke about or there's no subject that something funny doesn't come out of it is exactly as you're demonstrating that it's that it's what the target of your what the target of the joke is, what the purpose of the laughter is and if it's as you say if it's disrespectful uh to uh, on a human level uh to people who have no uh, who are you know have, have don't even have any personal comeback because they can't have any personal comeback mm. then that's that's a different thing than than finding the situation funny or or you know later on telling a story with you know there's stories here that have an element of humor that are still uh you know have that also have an element i mean more than an element of tragedy because this is it's 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 sort of interesting how we don't you know and i think writing about stuff like this is so important because we don't eat we don't and i think about stuff all the time and i talk about stuff all the time but getting old is one of those things that i still in my head don't think's going to happen to me you know i, I think yeah. like, when i was reading your book a, an old guy went past on a mobility scooter and he looked so unhappy and it, he looked like 
you know, he just thought this would, I thought this would never happen to me, you know. And But I'm looking at him and going, you know, but I still don't think, in my heart, I still don't think I'm ever going to be the guy on the mobility scooter because somehow I'm not, I'm not going to get old and, and, get, and get decrepit or lose my mind. So it's it's a very difficult thing for people to uh, what to visualize and to even accept that they want to talk about. And, and that's, what, I guess, why a lot of this stuff is, you know, the care homes are sort you're sort of hidden away, aren't you? You're sort of it's, it's taking all these people out of society. In, in obviously to look after them, but there's a sense also of let, let's let's sweep this under the carpet because other people don't want to have oh, yeah, to cope yeah, with it. Yeah, oh, ma- massively so. So like, there's. I mean, I have to be. I have to be careful. It's like you said, like uh, the people who uh, who who might uh, sort of turn their nose up on certain types of um, humor and like me being someone who will make inappropriate jokes and also get a narcotic effect off of, you know, um, off of offensive stuff and that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but then I'm still doing the job. Like I can kind of easily use that as a get out of jail free card a bit, which, you know, like uh, um, it's, uh, it's, I could say it's a bonus. To, it's a bonus to the job. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to make myself seem like morally superior or whatever. But um but yeah, the, it is. It is. Uh, there's a constant denial of our own uh, morality, and I say there's sometimes it's good to catheterize experience so you can temporarily drain it of its misery, right? Yeah. And now you do that, you know, to say by humor, you get levity. Um, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm, st- I, I'm always a bit conflicted by that uh, because there's bits in the book like where I make a joke about an old man who I cared for, he lost one leg, then a month later he lost another leg, and then like I made the joke of if we keep hacking bits off soon, we're going to be drip-feeding an ear on a velvet pillow. And like, so them kinds of jokes. So that's quite a cruel, horrible yeah. joke there, really. Like, um, And I, but then I also talked about like when my... When, when my nan died, uh, to I said to my mum that I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna uh, uh, use my nan's corpse as a toboggan, and, <laughs> and that created my mum didn't get offended. She's laughed. She laughed in spite of herself, sure. and then we shared a moment of you know like uh, inappropriate, uh, like delinquent laughter, and yeah. there was a catharsis to that, um, and uh, just. It's just being mindful of like who the audience is because I wouldn't use the you know the velvet pillow the ear and the velvet <laughs> pillow. Thing. I wouldn't say that like directly to his family. Right? No. I don't, they wouldn't take kindly to that, <laughs> and understandably so. So it's uh, but yeah, I'm always a bit um, like I, I was recently talking uh, for uh, uh, for an article, and I said because there's. There's like like in Narcotics Anonymous uh, rooms, they're like community spaces where people with like different viewpoints and coping mechanisms or existential contemplations can bond over a shared communal uh, malady. And before I would have spoken in, you know, that sort of higher register, like wanky way that I mean, I love that. I'm all for talking about comedy in a very po-faced analytical <laughs> way, as well as, you know, the you know silly in that but um i kept i before i would have said about like uncovering truth and like you know being on stage a form of unconcealment but then i thought 
I, I don't know because like I when I tried to, I always like to sort of puncture gravitas and like milk everything for laughs. I think you'll be the same, Richard. We're comedians. Yeah. That is an integral part of our nature. But then I remember when I tried to like kill myself. I once tried to kill myself, and a week later I attempted to turn that into material and it almost had a depersonalizing effect it's almost like that didn't happen to me it happened Mm. to him up there on stage and I never uh properly processed it and you know and it's because they're I don't know yeah it was and and that that was one of those things that like uh I thought oh maybe sometimes you need to sit with a situation without seeing if it honks you know like sometimes to be I know it's a cardinal sin for me as a comedian to say it's uh, that it's not always healthy to constantly puncture gravitas. Um, yeah. I, I do. I think I do agree that I think I, my my opinion of that has changed over time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm still very very conflicted. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm actually doing any good with this book. Like I, I don't know if it's helped. Uh, people tell me it is, and like I've had wonderful messages and stuff. Um, but then also had Trisha Goddard who interviewed me and went, what do you say to the uh, family members whose mother was looked after by a crackhead? And I was like, oh, great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I really wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I think, well, look, I mean, you know, if you know, if, if people are prepared to do this job, which most people wouldn't be prepared to do this job, I don't think they can criticise anyone who does the job and anyone who does the job as diligently as you clearly, as you clearly did it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news all right i'll do it. sign up now and you'll get unlimited for 15 dollars a month in six months of paramount plus essential plan on us mintmobile.com slash switch upfront payment of 45 dollars, equivalent to 15 dollars per month unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month face lower speeds videos at 480p active mint customers by 531 24 get six months of paramount plus essential plan auto renews after six months offer ends may 31st 2024 separate paramount plus registration required terms and conditions apply if rated pg it's, it's obvious to think to comedians when all these when all these conversations come up about cancelling and what's a fa- what's offensive and what's not, that context is very important. That a joke, you know, like free speech isn't just about being able to say whatever you want, whenever you want. It's there's the context of where you're saying it and who you're saying it to yeah. is is absolutely key. So you know, you can't go. I'm gonna go to go to my grand's funeral and I'm gonna do the same stuff as I was and do down the pub with my mates or the 
the final of Wimbledon. It's my right to speak, and I'm going to yeah. speak now. You know, you would be <laughs> you'd be kicked out. So there's 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 times when things are appropriate and when they're not, and there's times when you know when humor re- you really need that. I think what's you know I think this book is important because it makes you you know it makes you think on a personal level about 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 those things happening to you and obviously to people you know, but also it's about the the system. Uh, that we've got, and I think one of the things I like is the, um, and I've sort of experienced this a little. My my grandma was in a care home for the last few years of her life, and and had to, you know, I don't know if it was Alzheimer's exactly, but forgot, forgot everyone and forgot everything. And um, you know, care homes have this are portrayed as uh, sort of cozy, fun places where old people are wise, or you know, or or the, the reality of it. There was one time we went to see my gran. Who was, you know, luckily was have had a nice time in that home and just forgot everyone. You know, it was weird. I did write a routine about this exactly that. That it's 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 where, you know, I think the comedy works because if you're heartfelt and you believe it and you love the people or care about the people, then the jokes, you know, you've got both. You've got the humour coming out of the pain and you've got the humour coming out of the love. And and you know, and I, one of my favourite routines I ever did was was about going to see my grandma and, and us all trying to help her to remember her life and failing and you know but but it was it was lovely because it was it would make the audience go quiet with an emotional and then you knew you're going to make them you had a big laugh at the end you know as well yeah yeah but what was interesting this time we went it was a two-floor care home and uh we got in the lift and obviously someone pressed the wrong button and went we went to floor one instead of floor two and they both looked exactly the floor, two floors looked exactly the same. But as we were, we thought we were on the right floor because we just assumed we were. Walked along, and just this the second the downstairs floor was just people screaming, people yeah. up, crying, people really unhappy. Whereas my grandma's floor was the floor of the people who were all you know basically calm and okay, and you know yeah. maybe didn't know who anyone was, but were had an okay life. Yeah. And then it was it was sort of like and you know I know you talk about this in the book, but it was sort of like hell you know it's sort of yeah. like a vision of hell where you walk through these corridors of just people uncontrollably screaming at their their awful end of life situation uh and you know it's it was it was an amazing thing to witness accidentally and not yeah. know what's going on and you know it wasn't until we got to the end we went oh yeah this isn't the right floor uh and uh but but you know equally you're you're obviously dealing with that sort of stuff all the time but it, it, even within the home that bit is it's sort of not you know it's that's hidden away from the people who who whose families aren't in that situation it's you know it's it's a it's a, i mean i'm terrified about growing old in that way i'm terrified of losing my mind i'm terrified about sometimes when i wake up in the middle of the night and i'm confused and upset and you think god is this what it would be like you don't yeah. quite know why you're angry or upset and yeah. is this what it would be like all the time and yeah. so i think like you know even by making people confront that about themselves which this book does i think that's that's really important it's, it's really important that we think about how you know but it's it's a horrifying thing to think about it must be it must be a difficult thing to to process when you're working there right yeah it because you you you're, you're always kind of amazed at how uh i'm always amazed i mean at how desensitized you become to it how uh, i mean in a way that's that's a heartening message because no matter <laughs> Uh, you're thrown into these very uh, abstract circumstances. Like I said before, when I went uh, to uh, a home with uh, people with 
different types of uh, learning difficulties, right? So my main thing was I was working at homes with people with dementia, but I've also occasionally done work in, in these other places for adults with learning difficulties. And the first time I did one of those things, I think I did write about this in the book. I said, I know it's, I know it's, it's wrong, but my first impression was just because it was a new situation to me. Um, I hadn't kind of uh, met people with these certain types of um you know uh, uh, impairments or whatever uh, i said it was like walking into a room of like broken toys like like sid's nice. room in toy story you know i know that yeah. sounds offensive but that was just my initial first impression but yeah. then uh, I, it and again it it it's sad that you even have to have that first impression but it was also heartening to know that very quickly these people came into relief as human beings and i know it sounds wrong like why wouldn't you think of them as human beings in the first place it's just that that's sometimes how you react to difference yeah. when you're when you uh, um you, you you witness it for the first time you know uh but then i quickly built up these amazing bonds with the the people i cared for that would go beyond language because you know some of them are non-verbal uh some of them have very li uh, limited like communicational uh tools and stuff um and but yeah i i, I very quickly became like really close with them and could understand yeah. everything that they were trying to convey and uh and yeah and, and all this kind of stuff so um so yeah like that that's that that getting used to it these environments and like you said like there are places in care homes and in the care home i worked in it was the other way around it was like the first floor was all <laughs> you know kind of nice and fairly peaceful and then the, the further you go up the more you know, the more they would actually call it double dementia like i don't they would go these have got dementia that's double dementia there and then they would place like the top floor is basically like they're the ones that in the event of a fire, just leave them. And I know that's horrible, but that yeah. is the fire procedure. This is the mad thing, right? I yeah. used to work in a pet shop. I worked in a pet shop and they said in the event of a fire, open up all the cages and go run, like run away all of you, <laughs> like let them run. There's a, a, uh, a, um, a green, uh, orange, red system in care homes, right? And this is giving people a bit of insight. If they've got a red circle light on their door they're part of the the, the color system and this is you know nationwide this is regulation that basically means like in the event of a fire they're not going uh, to you know talk about it in such brutal terms but in the event of a fire like they're 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 done like that is that is actually like where it's green yeah. they're the people that you can actually help and they got uh, mobility and that you, you you can assist them you can do your best to to get them out and stuff and that is just like i understand the logic but if that's not like social darwinianism or something like <laughs> they're saying you are carers the majority of you are younger you know uh, and are definitely younger than the people you're caring for you've still got your lives um they are a lot older but i'm like yeah but i also like don't think they should be left to like burning agony like, i reckon <laughs> we should probably like there must be like and that is a stark reality that you hear about in a care home if you work there that is like unbelievable to a lot of people um yeah but i suppose yeah. it's like how else like what what how else are you what's a better but I'm hoping I'm hoping by talking about this publicly, people will go, oh, my God, like 
that is not a good system. And we yeah. can try and find a way to change it for the better. Uh, luckily, you know, it's very rare. You're, very, very, very rare you're ever going to be in that situation. It's, uh, thank, you know, thank God. Um, but yeah, there, there's things like that, again, that I think full disclosure, complete transparency. I wanted the memoir to, to that was like the, the guiding ethos because... Um, it, it, it it's important it's important not to present a sanitized yeah. version of this world because uh because then then again like you say you get the false false impression of oh it's all tea and tea and sympathy and yeah. the amount of people who do who come to this job and expect it to be like bloody derrick the you know the gervais thing um it isn't and then they they you know they quickly leave the turnover rate is very very high in yeah. social care um so i want people to know what they're getting into but then there are also as i write in the book there are wonderful moments as well you know there are uh there are you know there, there, there's a there is a silver lining to a lot of it as well so yeah i mean the book is is a is is very strongly you know i think one of the, the strengths of it and one of the the points of it is to make us think about how the care system works how carers are treated and how you know why aren't we it's sort of it's such a weird upside down society isn't it that like yeah. as a comedian you actually have the chance to become you know you had the chance to become a millionaire as a comedian doing a job that's relatively easy and is fun and is just full of you know <laughs> benefits um and uh, and then as a carer you're you know you're not getting paid properly you're putting in extra time you're bringing in your own stuff it's you know teachers are bringing in their own stuff nurses are bringing their own stuff as well in all these in all these sort of caring professions you're treated like you know i think you talk about in the book about being treated as a loser for doing a job which is is that most people would never do and that that's a care a job that's absolutely necessary that most of us are going to require at some point hopefully if we don't require it then it's because we died before we get to that stage usually uh and uh you know and uh, and it's sort of bizarre the way that exactly that you think you we want to be encouraging people to who want to do this who are nice enough people to do this job and moral enough people to do this job we want to be encouraging them and rewarding them because it's not it's not a fun you know like you say the silver linings there's lovely stuff there's lovely relationships with the people but that's that should be the case in any job, right? That's 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 your that's almost your human right to have a nice time as well. But the, yeah. you know, it's about the the way this you know the the care system is broken and the the and carers aren't appreciated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I I I do write in. Uh, I think I write in a book about the fact that I was paid more per per hour to. Uh, pretend to suck off a trombone in Phil Ellis's <laughs> Edinburgh show than I was to keep people alive, like to care for elderly people. So it is, yeah, just the the the, the lack of value that's that's placed on these careers is um it is 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 very dispiriting, very depressing. I actually think uh there is a big problem as well with um the lack of like communication between this is why, again, I'm all for the uh, social care sector to be reabsorbed back into the NHS. I don't like that it's pro- privatised. I don't think you yeah. can reconcile, um, you know, pr- extreme profit profit motive with the service you're providing as 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 a care worker. And um, 
yeah, you you see there's a a, a disconnect between the like the the care services and care homes and the hospitals with their NHS staff, they're not working together. They're working against each other and they're constantly, we're, we're all constantly trying to put the blame at each other's feet. Um, I mean, in just totally anecdotally, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's for us, it's been more the case that the the hospitals have, have tried to put the blame at our feet as care works, whereas we've always tried to work with them and um, sort of say to nurses and stuff who come in and, you know, do brilliant work obviously provide a valuable uh valuable valuable service but we say oh we're, we're with them you know daily we're with them all the time you know more than their families we might have some insight about behavioral stuff you know you're, you're you you've you've got amazing medical qualifications and stuff and you can give us all the information we need on that but we might just be able to give you a bit of like first-hand experience of like how this person will react in this situation, et cetera, et cetera. But we're not, we're just, we're just disregarded. We're, we're, we're seen as like, um, as, as kind of purposeless really like to be brutally honest. And, and, and again, it's a, in, again, anecdotally speaking, I have found that doctors have perpetuated that as well understandably so in some cases it ha- that it has got a bad rep there are people who are carers who definitely shouldn't be um i wish there was like an empathy exam or or there was i don't know if there was a way of uh of gauging uh people's c- levels of compassion before they come into the work but you know that's not a that's quite an amorphous thing it's hard to, hard to and, and probably an exam you could cheat as well but um <laughs> do you like do you, do you care for people yes you're in <laughs> like, like, uh, so yeah i mean so that's yeah that's just another observation there um yeah I might... well you know it's really i think it's it's sort of I don't, again i don't know whether people are aware that, that that's a that's a privatized service it seems yeah it seems absolutely insane i mean the idea that anyone wants the health service to be privatized and for you know, because it's gonna cost you more money if people are making profit off it than it's gonna cost if everyone just chips in as they as they live their lives, chip in, get to stay in a nice care home with people who aren't you know trying to cut corners, with people who are enjoying their jobs, with people who turn up because they're getting paid and aren't looking for another job. It just seems, and, and you know, and most of us are going to have to experience that. So it's, it, 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 and most of you know, like it's like, like accident and emergency. Most of us are going to experience going to accident and emergency. It doesn't even matter if you're private medicine or not. You still have to go to accident and emergency. And yet the whole that whole system is fucked up at the moment. And you kind of think, yeah. why aren't people up in arms? That You know, you could go to accident and emergency and die. You could become old and yeah. have to go to a home and be looked after by people who, you know, don't care or, or you know, are just doing this as a stopgap or are going to have to leave because they can't afford to live off the wages even if they're good so it's you know it's it's all within our own self-interest and yet you do feel it's gonna it's so unlikely that anything's going to ch- actually change though you know no, I mean, that, yeah it's, it, so, it's 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 heartbreaking but it's 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 still so important that this book's out there though i think Oh, that's very kind of you. You know, I think it, there's a great article in the recent um, uh, London Review of Books 
um, the bloody the name of the, the, the journalist and writer is slipping my mind, but it's about the care crisis. Um, and uh, I think the title of it is like, it affects us all, you know, it does affect yeah. us all. Uh, so like, that's really worth uh, um, checking out. And I think it, um, I think it, uh, it, 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 like, you know, reviews within the, the, the article, um, two books, I think one's called, the care crisis and one's called labor of love the crisis of care that's it so they're two books i'd highly recommend as well more right. of a uh you know more of a uh i say suppose like po-faced analysis um uh, yeah. than mine but um but yeah it's it yeah it's it's it would have to be ex- an extreme system you know systematic overhaul yeah. which we're not you know, in a in a position to do like they were, they said the government, oh, we're going to give one point six billion or whatever it was to social care, but it was contingent on the NHS clearing his COVID backlog, which it it it, it would have to it, it it's in a nearly impossible feat before yeah. it trickles down to social care. So we're not going to get any of that money, and um, and also just another example of as you said, like. Uh, profit motive and you know they're, they're just juicing milking these residents for profit is i won't name the company but one company uh was plead the ceo was pleading poverty throughout this specific year asking carers to turn off uh, uh heating even in the winter asking uh carers to turn off uh lights after a certain time even though there's residents you wanted to stay up like because they're, yeah. they're bloody adults um <laughs> and all through that year pleading poverty pleading poverty then when it released it's like you know quarterly earnings or whatever that ceo had awarded himself a two point uh 2.1 uh, million pound bonus <laughs> and and you see stuff like that and it's like that's just that's flagrant like you can't get a yeah. better example of the, the the problem there, <laughs> so no. yeah. Well, you know, it just seems like you know, it seems very crazy that anyone would profit from this and be yeah. and be trying to cut make margins in this situation. You know, you've you've sort of, I mean, yeah, I don't know. You, it, it it it's it is a crazy system. Um, but look, I mean, this book is very funny, and uh, the audio book's great. You do the audio book, and uh, and with a lot of passion and with a lot of um, a lot of uh, fun. Uh, the, the, I, we we haven't uh, talked about a lot of the funniest stuff in this book, and it is it still is uh, very entertaining, both about you personally and about your job, and about the and about the you know the 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 choices you have to make as well. So it's it's a, it's as much about you as it is about. Um, about the system and about what's going on, but it's but, you know, but it's just to, just to chip in. Sorry, yeah, I think that's what the mo- like ninety eight percent of the uh, reviews I've done the the mistake of reading of uh, have been wonderful, like, and I've had lovely messages and letters, and I'm so appreciative. Um, but like the odd one or two people who didn't enjoy it. One of the things was I've never even fucking heard of this guy. Why am I reading right. about his life? And I'm like, but like that. that there's loads of books like a memoir doesn't have to just be by someone like no one had heard of Adam Kay before he brought out his book and everyone just loved his voice and you know his outlook and he's you know brilliantly funny and and stuff and then then they they warmed to him but I mean with me again like something another comedian before said I'm someone that's intelligent but sounds thick 
And the bloke who listened to it, another bloke who listened to my audio book said, uh, why am I listening to this nasal Essex boy grasp at the English language? Or like oh, it had a tenuous grasp on the English language. <laughs> I was saying, and that was just purely based on my fucking voice. Like, yeah. this, this is what I sound like. So, uh, Yeah, well, you know, I think that's the, you know, people do have preconceptions about books and about authors. And, you know, and in that's as interesting. And to me, it's great that there's at least there's the beginnings of working class voices. I, I, when I want to read a book, I want to read about an experience that's completely different to my own. So I don't care if someone's writing it well and if it's, and it's interesting and if it's funny, that's all that matters. It doesn't, you know, you, you know, I think exactly the same as uh, Evie King, who's one of the funniest women in the country that, that no one would know it. Um, you know, she, you are drawn into that story. You will not know who that woman is, but you're drawn in exactly the same with this because you, you know, you come out of it, Without you know, you you've managed to write something, and it's not showing off, and it's not like oh look how great I am, but you still come out of it very well. Because even with you know, there's a story later where you're on holiday and you're the guy helping some homeless guy who's pissed in his trousers and stuff, and that's the kind of guy you are, which you know you can't really hide if you're writing a book about this. Whereas most people, including myself, I have to say, would would walk on by there. So this is you know, it's a really interesting book to read from that from the perspective of seeing someone else's life. But, you know, I'm glad it is, uh, you know, I'm glad it's another memoir from which we're getting a little bit with comedians at the firm. Brady's book's fantastic as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's, and I'm so, you know, and I, I'm a middle-class white comedian and I'm so sick of reading books by white middle-class comedians. So it's great to read a book that's by a working-class person who's done something interesting and different with their lives. And it's not, you know, and, and whilst your comedy, you know, we, we get a bit about your comedy career, but it's not about, and here's how I got in live at the Apollo. It's about something sort of meaningful. So yeah, you know, really if, anyone, if anyone doesn't like this, you know, fuck them. Yeah, thank um, you so much. <laughs> no, no problem. Are you reading anything not related to this? Uh, or have you read anything recently you'd like to recommend? Yeah, so, yeah, I've uh, there's actually a book um, called Animal Joy. Um, I'm not, oh, the, the, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to absolutely butcher the, the name <laughs> of the author, but well, uh, yeah, Animal Joy is Fitz, uh, Fitz Corraldo Editions, the publisher. Uh, look them up and then look up Animal Joy. I don't want to do a, a disservice <laughs> to their name or where they come from, but that that's that's a brilliant book. Um, okay, so that's very good. It's uh, it, it, they're a they're a sci they're a psychiatrist, I believe, or a psychoanalyst, and it is a, the jumping off point is about laughter. Um, but then it also talks about, you know, uh, uh, like the the true self and the traps of authenticity and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also, let's try and think what else. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm reading so many. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fucking reader, so I've like yeah. I'm juggling books. Oh, Jewish comedy: A Serious Study by Jeremy Dorber and. Um, and uh, another oh the, this is an old one but seriously funny by Howard Jacobson which oh, is yes. uh, about comedy but uh, it's very, very some of it's quite dated but for me as someone who's only like 30 uh, 31 it's interesting to read about comedy during the, the, some of the period you talk about Richard like the 90s yeah. and stuff so it's yeah it, it mentions some of that which is really fascinating so uh, yeah brilliant well yeah. well done on the book pope and uh, thank you very much for uh, for coming on the show uh, i'll die after bingo but lots of fantastic reviews david Badil and they're saying uh, is always very fun even when dealing with the most serious subject matter which i think uh, is is true but it's it's a book that will make you think and uh, and hopefully make people 
move towards making some changes in society. But I won't hold my breath for that one, Pope. I don't think I don't think you're that yeah. good. No, no, I'm, <laughs> but I don't think point. anyone's that good. <laughs> no, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> all right. Thanks very much to Chris Evans for all his work on the shows and to Ben Evans as well, of course. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.